family and friends, guests into our home, what are some desires that may kill you? What are some desires that may kill you? The desire to drive fast, to get where you want to go in a hurry. And there's dense fog, and the pavement is wet, and there's black ice that you don't see. That may kill you. The child whose ball rolls into the street and the child desires that ball now. And there's oncoming traffic. That may kill that child. Wanting a high. Wanting to fit in with the crowd. And take that drink. Take that pill. When you know you shouldn't. But you don't want them laughing at you. That may kill you. We're coming together. And we're looking at 1 Peter. This short letter that tells us how to live when life is hard and there's crisis and there's difficulties. This is the way we're to live because of Jesus Christ. Dr. John Piper, one of my heroes as preacher and writer and author, When he preached on these verses, he didn't say your desires can kill you or your desires may kill you. He entitled it, your desires will kill you. What desires? What is he saying? What's Peter saying? What's our Lord saying? Let's go back and look at the scripture first. I like the way this teaching begins. Beloved. This is to the beloved. Who are the beloved? Those who are loved by God. That's what Peter's saying. Peter loves his audience also, but ultimately he says, You're among God's beloved. You're among his family. Now, everyone is not in his family. We'll see. Specifically, what it takes to enter into his family. But right now, just that affirming, just love it. God calls his family beloved. Meaning, if you're in Christ, you are among his beloved. That tender, compassionate, caring term. Because of Christ. Who the Father loves. The Father sent Christ to live a perfect life. To die on that cross. To take God's wrath and judgment and punishment against sin upon himself. He did not deserve it. 
Christ never deserved punishment for sin because he's sinless. But he took it to make a family he could call beloved. By his resurrection, Christ has given his own holiness. Christ has given his own holiness to those the Father gives to him. Beloved. What's he saying? Look at what he says. I'm urging you. I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. Not I'm suggesting. I recommend this behavior. No. I'm begging you. I'm urging you. Pleading with you. Who? You who don't belong in this world. According to the standard of the world. You're sojourners. You're exiles. You're refugees. Peter was literally writing to refugees who because of their faith in Christ and faithfulness to Christ, it was costing them. They're running for their lives. They're being abused and beaten and tortured and starved back home and they're losing their property. They're losing their income and they're literally running. They're distressed. They're exiled. They're in places they don't belong. How are you to live? How are you and I to live when life is hard? And there's disappointments and there's pain and there's suffering. You're you're exiles. Now, what are you to do? Abstain from certain kind of behavior. Don't go there. Abstain. Avoid it at all costs. What? These passions. These cravings. These desires that are so natural. Don't go there. Family, remember you are at war. There's an ongoing daily fight for your soul. And the battle is ugly. It's war against your soul. Look at verse 12. Keep your behavior, your conduct among Gentiles. That means among those who do not know Christ and those who do know Christ. Your behavior, is it honorable? So that when they speak evil against you, They'll see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Who? Who? Again. Who? Look, this is written, and these words come from the text. These words that we see here are either directly spoken or implied, okay? You go back, begin in verse 1, and you see the word, The elect. God's writing to his elect children, his elect family. The Bible says that before God ever created the world, 
before he ever spoke and the world came into existence. He, he elected and chose a family for himself. Those he would adopt. Those who would become his sons and daughters. He calls his family. You're my elect. You're my beloved. You've been chosen. You've been saved. You've been saved and rescued from the family of Satan, the devil. Christ has come and saved you and rescued you and brought you to himself. You're now his beloved. If that's true for you, that's what he says. Saved and birthed again, those who are his. What's that term? Born again, it means you've been born physically. But if you're in Christ, you've experienced a second birth by the Holy Spirit. Where you are awakened to your sin and you're awakened to your need of Christ. And you're made aware that you can never be good enough to earn entrance into his family. Born again to see your need of Christ and beginning to believe Christ is sufficient for your need. Believing he's sufficient for your need. Born again by the Holy Spirit. Born again. Rejoicing with joy. Those are the words that are used. Yes, you're suffering. Yes, you're scattered. Yes, you've lost. You've lost your homes. You've lost your income. Yes, you're foreign refugees who don't belong. But you're responding with joy. You're responding with joy. Scattered, running for your lives. That's who is to receive these words. What does God need to say to you and to me if you're in him? What? This is what he's saying. What? Abstain from passions of the flesh. Those are the words he uses. Abstain from these passions. These cravings. These desires that are natural. Anger is natural. Lust is natural. To steal and to lie, that comes natural. It's the way we are born into sin. Sinful thoughts, revenge, envy, jealousy, rage, that's natural. In a sense, doing what is not natural, in a sense, is like we are in the current of a river. And the current's pulling against us. It's natural to be carried along by the current. That's natural. 
That's how we are. We naturally do what is wrong, though we are capable of doing a few good things. But we're carried along by the current doing that which is evil and wrong and against God. So by the Holy Spirit, through Christ, we fight against what comes natural. It's a fight. It's a a battle. He calls it a war, a military term that is used to describe the way we're to live. We can only live this way by Christ. It's Christ who's fought for us. He was in the battle and he won. He was in the fight. He was successful. He was at war with Satan and Christ won that war at the cross. Christ defeated Satan and disarmed Satan at the cross. So we proceed in the success of Christ in this war that we are fighting for our souls. What are we to do? We're to stay away from these passions. We're to avoid that which comes so natural. We're to kill them at all costs. Kill what? These cravings, these desires, these passions that come natural. That's a term that Paul uses, put to death. He's speaking to the family here. Those who are in Christ. When you're confronted with these passions, you kill it. You starve it. You don't feed it. You don't give it food. You starve it. You choke it. You suffocate it. You don't let it live. And all the success of Christ, you try to put it to death. Through the life of Christ. Why? 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 Again, there is war to the soul. There's a deadly battle. There's a vicious fight. There's an ugly war. When we come to the book of 1 Corinthians, we see something of the effect of this fight, this war, this battle. Paul corrects and disciplines and is the harshest with the congregation in Corinth than any other congregation. That congregation in Corinth was not fighting well. They were losing the battle. And the effects were ugly. And Paul tells us of certain behavior of which they, the congregation, were engaged. They were not fighting well. They were tolerating, according to the scriptures, they were tolerating immorality. They knew of a man who was having an adulterous affair with his stepmother. Congregation knew it and did not confront it. There were cliques. They were playing favorites. 
I'm of Paul, I'm of Cephas. There were cliques. They were not loving and caring for one another. They would come to the table, says Paul. They would come to the table and some would get drunk ahead of time on the wine while neglecting the needs of the others. Neglecting the needs of the poor, they were indulging in their own cravings. It's a war. And Paul says, God is disciplining you, some even to the point of death. That's what he says in 1 Corinthians. He's, he's disciplining some because of death, by death. God is holy. And he tells us we're in a fight. We're in a battle. We're at war. Against these dangers that may kill you. Kill you in any effectiveness for the honor of Christ. Will make you spiritually weak and not... And not strong. That may even mean he takes you out of this world as he did those in Corinth who were non repentant. All of this is from the Bible. Search the scriptures to see if what we're saying is true. Search the scriptures to see if what I'm saying is true. Why? Because of this war. What are these cravings? What are these passions and these desires of which we're engaged in war? Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 2 through 5. They're listed. It's not all of them, but it's some of them. It's the five, it's the six that the Holy Spirit has chosen for this time. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 2. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. Okay. As long as you remain alive, from now on until you die, who will you please Will you live for these human passions? These human natural desires? Or will you pursue the will of God? His pleasures, His passions, His cravings. Who? Who will you live daily to satisfy these cravings? Verse 3, for the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Don't live like you did in the past. Now he names six of them. Number one, don't, don't keep feeding sensuality. Don't keep feeding sensuality. Sensuality is natural. You've got to fight against it. What is sensuality? Sensuality pertains to our senses, our natural senses. 
our sense of sight. You got to fight this war on what you see. The pictures, the videos, the movies, the reading materials. You got to fight by the success of Christ. That's sexuality. What, what, What do you see? Don't give in to that which is natural. What what you hear, what you hear, the music, the jokes, the advertisements, you're in a fight. Does the music, does the movies, does the videos, do the things you hear, does it feed passions for Christ? Or does it feed passions for sin? That's the senses. Where you go to see what you hear. As a military veteran, I was invited to at least attend. Not that I'm that, I don't mean I'm that good. Not at all. I'm the worst. But I went to a meeting military veterans and I couldn't go back told my wife I couldn't go back because of the things I was hearing that did not feed my soul the jokes the things of that nature I'm too weak not that I'm so wonderful I'm too weak couldn't listen to the stories being shared. I'm too weak. So what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you tasting? That drink. That pill. You got to say no. You got to say no. For the greater pleasure of pleasing Christ, of feeding on Him. That's the sensual. Does it feel good? Does it promise to satisfy you? It may be poison that will destroy you. That's what He's saying. This is the way we're to live. Don't go to the sensual, don't go to those natural passions. Drunkenness. Do we need to hear this? According to Scripture, we do. None of us are immune. All of us are probably not committing all of these. But it's a fight. Drunkenness, orgies. Wild, sinful debauchery, drinking parties, whether a young person or an older person. It promises to satisfy. It promises to fulfill, to give you pleasure. It can kill you spiritually. Lawless idolatry. 
What's idolatry? Having anything or anyone more important than Jesus Christ. That's idolatry. Any priority, any person, anything more important to me, to you, than Jesus Christ is an, is an idol. Lawless idolatry means lawless, hey, there's no limits. There's no boundaries. I'll do what I want. And don't tell me how to live. Lawless. Do we need to hear that? Yes. Yes, we need it. I need it. It's a daily fight. Sometimes the fight is more intense than at other times, but it's a daily fight. Though they mock you, ridicule you, bully you, laugh at you. The young Christian lady out on the West Coast in her university, she was elected as part of the Senate to hear cases. She was elected by the student body, a Christian, and when it came up to take a vote on certain gay pride behavior, when it came on a vote to the Senate for the school to participate in a gay pride event, she abstained. She didn't vote for it. She didn't vote against it. But in her conscience, based on Scripture, she, had, she chose to abstain. Oh, the persecution. The ridicule. The shame. The mockery. The threats against her for taking a stand that she believed would honor Christ. She just abstained. the young high school wrestler, champion wrestler, had the opportunity to participate in state finals. Winning wrestling match after wrestling match. But then his opponent was a female. And he chose, I can't do that. Because of all that would, it means when you're wrestling, the touching, the, I can't do that. And he forfeited. Because he had been a good wrestler, he was still upon, have another opponent, another female. He said, I can't do that. And so he lost advancing when he was an excellent wrestler because of biblical convictions. I can't have that kind of touch. I can't do it. Can you imagine the mockery and the ridicule and the scorn? He receives like the young university student. Folk, we are at a war, not only in your own life, but as a culture. 
According to the scripture, the Bible is true. The Bible is our authority. The Bible says this is good and that's behavior is bad. The Bible is the authority. Now, our culture looks at what the Bible says is good, and our culture says, no, 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 that's not good. That's evil. And what the Bible calls evil, our culture says, oh, that's good. Two of the major battles that all of us are facing, especially our young people, is gender recognition. It's real. The guy who wants to be a girl, the girl who wants to be a guy, and you, and you say, wait a minute. In love, in humility, you go back, what does the Bible say? Well, you're unloving. You're unloving not to let a person choose who they want to be. Abortion. You're unloving when you don't let the woman choose yes or no. You're a hypocrite. No, family. No. To tell a young woman or the father of the child, the most loving, caring thing you can do is carry that child and perhaps put it up for adoption if the Lord leads you. That's loving. Family, we are in a battle. We're in a fight. We're at war. Who will you and we seek to please? The cravings passions and desires of our culture are the will and passions of Jesus Christ. We're at war. Those are the words that Scripture uses. What are the weapons we have? This is good. Again, from the Bible, the weapons we have are not the weapons of the world. The weapons we have have the ability and power to demolish Satan's strongholds. What are our weapons that are supernatural? The first is the weapon of Scripture. What does God say? What does the Bible teach on this issue? What does the Bible say? You go to the Bible, you study it, you come with others and you learn together in large worship, in smaller groups, you study together, you listen, you learn, you read, you hear what others say, not what they think, but what does the Bible say? The Bible with others don't neglect reading learning studying together the weapon of prayer the weapon of prayer the weapon of the church together with one voice a 
another means. It's called a means of grace. It's the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. This is a sacrament. This is a means of grace where we come and the bread represents the body of Christ. The drink represents his blood. And we feed the nourishment we need in this war. We need Christ and we're showing our need of Christ. Great war. But the good news is this. Christ has won the war. He has defeated Satan. He has disarmed him. We have Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. So in response to Christ, if you're his, if you're among his beloved, daily, fight, abstain from these passions because Christ has succeeded. It's more than just a one time I give myself to Christ. It is that. But Jesus says, come after him daily. It's a daily fight to say no to these sensual cravings. Taste of feel, of thinking, of looking, of hearing. Your pastor fights these fights. And too often I have failed. And Christ is my hope. Christ can be your hope, your confidence, your success. Hallelujah. For Christ. Father, thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection, that he has fought this fight and he won. (laughs) He succeeded. He defeated Satan. He disarmed Satan at the cross. And thank you that in his success, we can know success. So, Father, as your beloved sons and daughters, May we abstain and say no to these daily cravings and live for you today. And if there's a tomorrow, live every day of our life. And many who are here, Father, who are not yet yours, will you breathe life into them? Bring them into the family today. Today is the day of entrance into your family. That we repent of our sins that we turn to your Son and depend only on Him in His name. Amen.